don't know me, my name's Larkin. I'm the campus pastor here. And uh, happy birthday, everybody. It's uh, it's awesome day to celebrate and um, really excited to uh, just get to celebrate, be here with you today. And for those of you that are like regulars, family members here, just wanna um, just say thank you for all that you've poured into this community for however long you've been here. If you've been here since before we launched, if you've just been here a few weeks, um, just I'm blown away uh, in, in gratitude at, at all that you've poured into this community. And if, and if this is your first time, you kind of showed up and you're like, why is there balloons? I'm, I'm great with the donuts, but like, this is kind of, it's kind of weird. You know, I just want to say welcome. Like, I hope uh, you get just a taste of uh, us getting to celebrate and catch wind of what God is doing here. And uh, uh, we're under no uh, assumption that, that we have it all together. And all that we're celebrating, as Joshua mentioned earlier, is, is all uh, because of Jesus. And, and any, any highlight that we're giving to Ethos today, we, we hope to directly just glorify God in all that we do. So um, we're not under any assumption that we're perfect and, and we're all just in this together, just trying to figure out what it looks like to serve and to follow Jesus on a day-to-day basis. And, and so as we um, step into this next year, you know, typically this is the day when we kind of think about, okay, so what is God taking us into? Um, now that we're celebrating three years, we're, we're, we're gonna look back and we're gonna just be thankful for what God has done, but we're also gonna lean into what God is doing in our church, in our community, in all of us in the future. And so today I wanna just kind of lift up uh, something that we've been uh, really attacking from different angles, but never really nailing it down on uh, on one Sunday. And and it's something that is, I think, really vitally important for all of us uh, who wanna follow Jesus, or maybe a a better common denominator, anybody that wants to find the deepest place of fulfillment in life. I think that's what God has for us today. So we're not gonna dive into a specific text like we usually do. I'm gonna cover a few different um, things from from across the scripture. So you can kind of jump around with me if you'd like, or you can just follow along as we go. But as we begin, I wanna talk about compartments, okay? Um, So I think most of us know what a compartment is, right? Um, So this room, no compartments, right? Just one big room. It's not divided into anything like our house might be. And you think about, you know, maybe where you live, you know, you have your bedroom, that's for sleeping, for hanging out. You have your, your kitchen where you eat. You have your den where you hang out and you watch Stranger Things, right? And, and you binge watch all the Stranger Things. And, and so we have these compartments and we typically have different activities and different ways of living in each of those compartments. And sometimes I'm just like, why is it, why in our house is just one big room like this? Like, why don't we do that? Uh, I guess that's what everyone is doing now with the open concept. They're just like, tear down all the walls. We just want one room. And, but I was beginning to think about this and I just think humans have a tendency to wanna like compartmentalize things in their lives. There's a certain way that we act at our jobs, a certain way that we live. There's a, another way that we act with friends, another way that we act with family and relatives and so forth. I, I think our values, our attitudes, our beliefs sometimes morph depending on the environment that we're in. And sometimes that can be very appropriate and acceptable. You're not talking with the same things with your grandmother as you are with like your best friend uh, hanging out on on a weekend. So it's good sometimes, but we we quickly take something that is good to contextualize uh, how we act and we abuse it to the point where our lives are so separated that we become disjointed ourselves. Work. We're a certain way, we're a different way with family, with fun, with sleep, with eating. And many of us separate our lives in these ways to where we're really a different person in each place. And I would argue that many of us, regardless of how much we do that or how little we do that, we all sort of have two separate spheres that things fall into in how we compartmentalize things. 
And those two spheres are gonna be what, what I'm gonna talk about as the secular and the sacred. And I'll unpack that a little bit as we go. But the secular um, is sort of the interests and the pursuits um, that, that don't really have any spir- spiritual explicit basis. Um, they're just things kind of the day-to-day life. They're the attitudes and activities that, that don't really have a spiritual overtly spiritual basis. It doesn't mean they're sinful or evil, like maybe uh, some of you have heard the word secular used, but it's just nothing with overtly spiritual content where, where sacred will refer to anything that's very clearly directed towards spiritual things. Now, many of us uh, think the secular, ordinary day-to-day life that we kind of live um, is belonging in a lower, less significant part of life. It's just kind of the day-to-day minutiae, stuff that doesn't really matter. Whereas the, the sacred things, you know, reading, going to church, reading my Bible, praying, like those things really matter, right? They belong in a, in a higher, more important area. And this type of thinking, this type of compartmentalization uh, implies that God cares less about those secular areas and is only concerned with the spiritual or sacred things in our lives, so this, this divide between sacred-secular is a common way to describe when we compartmentalize our lives this way, like two Venn diagrams that don't over, overlap. Now, I think when I say that in, in such blatant distinctions, most of us are not gonna be like, yeah, that's what we should do. I should have like, faith is only for this hour on Sunday. <laughs> Outside of that, like, it's only me. I don't think many of us would, would argue that. Hopefully, if you believe that, that, that you would have uh, your mind changed today. But um, functionally, a lot of us live this way. I find myself living this way and I literally work at a church. <laughs> like my vocation is to like think about spiritual things, to give myself to spiritual things. And even I, like I wanna clock out at five and go home and it's like, I don't wanna think or read. I don't wanna do anything with God. And it's so easy functionally to live as if this were the case, as if this is what God desires for us. So think about our vocations. Maybe this will help um, kind of unpack it a little bit to give, give it a more concrete explanation. So how do we think about our work, especially if it's not maybe a sacred job, like a pastor or minister? Um, so what's your, mon- just kind of hold your, your Monday to Friday job in your mind. And if you don't work, maybe it's school, maybe it's staying at home with your kids or your family. How do you think about those activities? So one way to think about it would be that, okay, this is just separate from, from God. Like I just, I do my work and that's not really, why would faith ever interact with what I'm doing at work? That's one way to think of it. And maybe a second way to think of it would be, okay, I think God desires to be involved. Um, so maybe I can sneak in like a spiritual conversation at lunch with my coworkers. And that's really the only time that your job or your vocation is valuable is when you can sneak in the sacred to your secular life. And even then it's still applying that uh, the work itself, what, what you're doing at your job, the people that you're with, it's just kind of a necessary part of life. It's not really as valuable to God. So that doesn't mean we just throw out our desire to like find opportunities to share our faith and our journeys with Christ, but I'm just trying to highlight how many of us accept this divide. Or maybe a simpler uh, example. Maybe you've said this phrase before or heard it before. Well, I know I shouldn't say this in church, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's like there's this tendency to be like, okay, I know we're in this building with these people, so I'm going to edit who I am to, to be different in this space. That's sacred secular divide manifesting itself in our speech. Another way this, this works itself out in culture is with art. So there's this tendency sometimes, especially over the past few decades, it's kind of shifting back, but there's a tendency in, in the Christian circles for everyone to like label things Christian. 
So you have like Christian paintings, Christian music, Christian radio, Christian movies, uh, which are some of the worst movies. Uh, <laughs> you got like Christian, you go to Lifeway and there's like Christian breath mints. They call them testaments. It's like, really? Like we're gonna, <laughs> breath mints have even been overtaken by this sacred secular, right? Now, much of the culture is like sort of pushing back and saying, okay, I'm a Christian and I make music. You can't like label me a Christian in this. So like, I'm gonna be a Christian in my art in the same way, like you're gonna build buildings that aren't shaped like crosses all the time. Like you're just, you build buildings and you're a Christian. So I make art, I make music and I'm a Christian and it's influenced and informed by my faith. So what does the scriptures have to say about this? Now, this book that, that we read every week that we want to integrate into our lives it isn't just a set of rules of commandments about how to live and how not to live. This book is a story, a narrative about what God is doing in the world. And, and when we kind of look at the, the big picture of it, I think we see a picture that God desires this integrated, holistic living with him, where his presence is integrated into every facet of our lives. So I wanna just kind of give a, give a quick scope, a big picture of the narrative of scripture, just to touch briefly on a few of these. So we can go right to the very beginning in Genesis. And there's this picture, this, this story about how God created things where um, he, he, he says to the, 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 uh, the characters of Adam and Eve, he says, okay, be fruitful, multiply, steward the earth. And it comes right after God has created everything. And, and it's this, this picture of uh, humanity participating in all of God, what God has just done. So he's saying, hey, steward the earth in the same way I just created it. Continue to create, cultivate the earth, nature. That's part of my mission. Uh, cultivate a social uh, reality with other people and love one, like this, this reality of relationship. All of it is integrated with the presence of God and it's all a part of God's mission. If we could go to the Old Testament and kind of look a big picture in the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew people, uh, so many of their language, uh, so many of their words have this integrated uh, essence to them. So they never really delineate like ideas apart from belief or living apart from belief. It's all integrated into who they are. And God is invited into every single part. We can look at the pictures of Jesus in the gospels and you just see over and over, it doesn't matter where Jesus is, who he's with, he's constantly inviting the presence of God into those moments. We could look in you know, the, the epistles where Paul is writing to some of the early churches. And I love some of these words he says, like in Colossians chapter three, he says, whatever you do, whatever you do, not just church stuff, not just when you gather with other believers, but whatever you do, do it all in the name of Jesus. Give glory to God. In 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 31, he says, whether you're eating or you're drinking or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. It's this view of life that integrates all of who we are regardless of where we are or who we're with, with the presence of God living in us and through us. Even the most mundane and seemingly unimportant aspects of life that we might see as secular can be done with an attitude and an involvement with God. There's a woman named Nancy Piercy, who's a prominent author and speaker, says it this way. She says, the promise of Christianity is that the joy and the power of an integrated life can be yours a life transformed on every level by the Holy Spirit so that our whole being participates in the great drama of God's plan of redemption. So the main point is that there shouldn't be these two separate spheres that we're living in, 
kind of have our uh, lives over here, sometimes our lives over here, but it would just be one big circle of God's presence. It would all be sacred. It would all have an attitude of participating with God. You know, sometimes we, we use the, the term like spiritual disciplines and that can be helpful, but it can also be misleading, right? Because it, it implies, okay, God, God cares about how I read the Bible, but, but not how I exercise. God, God's not involved in that. He, he can't be involved in that. God, God cares about me praying, but, but not what I eat. God, God cares about me, um, you know, coming to church on Sundays, but not so much about the job that I do. That God, why would God show up there? but all of life can and should be experienced as sacred. God's presence being felt and interacted with. So whatever you might have previously put in your circles of sacred and secular, it really just needs to be one big circle. Now there's a quick nuance here that I wanna highlight. The point of breaking down this divide and saying it should all be sacred is not to equalize every experience of God in the world. So while the location of this building it is not more sacred than uh, your house or your, your dorm or uh, anywhere in the world at Radnor. It's not more sacred. Um, the church that gathers experiences a different measure of God's presence. So it's, it's when we gather, there's an intensification of God's presence. There's a, a special and unique way that God shows up. And, and it's important to recognize that this experience is different than what we experience alone at Radnor. Although God can be experienced at Radnor. So the point of breaking this down is not to equalize everything and, and say that it doesn't matter. You can like go to, you can have church like in your bed on Monday morning, like whenever you want. Like that's not the point of this. It's to say that God's presence and power is experienced in really special ways in certain occasions, but it's to be experienced everywhere. And as we leave this place, after having tasted that unique presence of the spirit, we go out into the world with the same mindset to continually experience God's presence wherever we go. So this is God's desire for our lives. Like, where, where did we get off track? What happened? Like, why don't we live this way? Why don't I live this way? I wanna give you a couple of things that have influenced um, this mindset in us today. And there's whole books written about all of these. So I can't do them justice, but I'll, I'll highlight one or two. The first one is the, the philosophy of a guy named Plato. Who's heard of Plato, right? So uh, this dude has influenced our thinking more than we can imagine. Um, and, and the main point, of Plato's thought was how he separated the physical and the spiritual. And he would say, okay, all the physical stuff, it, it's good, but it, it's actually not that important when compared to the spiritual form of something. So he, he elevates all the spiritual things above the physical in such a way that the physical is, is looked at as bad. And this is where we can really trace our compartmentalization in our thinking back to, is his philosophies. And so this ideology is built upon over the past few hundred years in the Enlightenment, while these philosophers begin to elevate reason, elevate facts and ideas above the physical realm. So you got guys like Immanuel Kant, who would, who would be you know, hugely influential in influencing some of the Western church's ideas, which resulted in this sacred secular divide in the church that we uh, tacitly accept, but was never intended by God. It leads to a faulty understanding of how we experience God in our lives. So, so what's the big deal? You're like, I don't care about Plato. I don't care about Kant. Like, don't give me philosophy. Like, why does this matter for me? Experientially, what changes when I live with this divide and when I don't? Here's some of the things that begins to happen. Number one, ministry, or, or all that I mean by ministry is just like participating in God's mission in the world. 
That's ministry. Ministry becomes limited by and large to the professionals, the trained pastor who does the study and the teaching and the counseling, the discipling, and the lay people, the people that aren't employed by a church, they're left to do the relatively menial tasks. I think it's a good thing that I get to be supported by this community to think intentionally about race and culture and how we interpret the Bible and all these things. I think that's important. But my job is not to spoon feed you as a consumer some stuff on Sundays and then you can leave and, and live how you'd like. My job is to help you figure out how you experience God in every single part of your life, how you leverage your vocation, how you leverage your friend group, how you leverage your family to invite the presence of God and to participate with the presence of God wherever you are. That's my job. And that's what I wanna help you discover. You know, I talked to so many college students in this area of town. Obviously, we have a lot of college students that attend our campus here. And there's this tendency to say, man, I really like, I wanna like serve God with everything I have, but I'm like, I'm not a ministry major. Like, do I need to switch my major so that I can be a pastor, so that I can like work in like a very spiritually overt context? They wanna change jobs so they can serve God in ministry. And what this does is undercut God's desire to use us with the abilities that we have, the opportunities that we have in the world to influence the world with God's mission, wherever we're at, whatever their job or vocation is. So we need lawyers and, and teachers and businesswomen and musicians and landscapers and athletes and programmers who are going out into the world, leveraging their vocations as believers, partnering with God and his plan for redemption in the world. So my job as a pastor is not more important than your vocation as a cross-country coach or an investment capital manager. I might focus on thinking through more explicitly spiritual things, but that's just for the sake of helping you leverage your life and your vocation out in the world. I think if all your vocation is, if if all your friend group is, if all your family group is, these different areas of life that we compartmentalize, if all they are is to be experienced in, in the ends that they are, and not leveraged for the sake of what God is doing in the world, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna come up short in the deepest places of fulfillment in all of those areas. God has so much more. God has so much more for you. And isn't it so amazing that God wants to be involved in every part of your life, like every step of your life, from when you wake up to when you go to sleep, while you're sleeping, God uh, wants to be invited into those situations by your awareness and your participation. And it's so much less about what you're doing and about how you're doing it and with the mindset that you're doing it and with the spirit that you're doing it. So this is one of the main reasons we've started this thing called Ethos Stories, where every couple of weeks, we invite a couple of you to come up and share about how you're participating with God in the world. Because you need examples of what it looks like for a school teacher who's teaching middle school history to live out their vocation with this deep participation in the redemption of God in the world. Like, what does that look like? And I can't tell you that. So we're gonna invite you guys to to come up and share. This is what it looks like for me as uh, whatever it is, whatever vocation I'm in to live out my calling in the world. Because it can be really hard to figure out how to do this. We need examples of other people that are doing that. I've said this before and and I'll, I'll keep saying this. You know, God doesn't want you to just believe a bunch of facts about him. Like that's not God's goal for you hey, just like sign off on a few of these checklist items and that's my plan for the world, that a bunch of people would do that. No, God is inviting us to participate in the person and the work of God. And that's what we're being invited into, that God desires to walk with us in every moment, that he's designed us 
to experience our greatest joy when we do that. And one of the best and most clear and exciting pictures that God has instituted into the life of the church to to embody that is baptism. This is a, a place where it's not just, okay, yeah, I believe with my words, but it's a participation in a physical reality and a spiritual transformation. It's what's happening in, in baptism. It integrates the physical and the spiritual and it sort of blends back together these sacred and secular parts of our lives. And in just a moment, when we finish our gathering, the last thing we're gonna do today is open up um, the floor for anybody that wants to be baptized. You know, when, you, when you came in, you saw a horse trough out on the, on the porch and some of you, they're like, what is that for? Like, are we gonna drink out of this? Like, what is happening? And it's to baptize people, okay? But, um, you know, being baptized marks this transformation that takes place in us when we participate in the death and burial of Jesus as we go into the water. And, and when we come out of the water, we participate in the new life that Christ offers us, that new life that is given to us by the Holy Spirit in our bodies. And now we live this new life that is integrated with God in every way. You know, we could talk about baptism for this like a whole sermon, but it's just this amazing reality that we get to participate in with our community. So um, I wanna invite you to be baptized today. I'm not gonna like try and pump you up and motivate you with my words. I'm just saying this is available to you today and I'm not manipulating you, but there's not a perfect time to do this. If you're waiting for you to like clean yourself up just enough so you can feel good, like, okay, I didn't feel great today. I didn't, like my weekend just like wasn't good enough to be baptized this week. That, that's not what we're proclaiming in baptism. In baptism, you say, I'm never gonna be good enough to actually be able to do this on my own. So no matter how my weekend was, no matter how, no matter how my month was, I'm gonna declare this reality in front of my community. You have the opportunity to do that in just a moment. So we got the horse off. We have clothes and towels in every size. And we've tried to remove the obstacles if, if, if you'd like to do that. I'll give you a couple more pieces of info in a minute. But if you're already a believer in Jesus and you've not been baptized, this is also an opportunity for you today. Uh, we don't get baptized every time we have a spiritually dry season. It's like, oh, I'm not really feeling the Lord. Maybe if I like get dunked, like this will change things. That's not, that's not what baptism's for. Um, but if you've never been baptized, if you've never taken that step in front of your community, uh, and you believe in Jesus, you profess faith in Jesus, uh, I wanna invite you to do that today. Uh, this is a beautiful reality that you get to proclaim and participate in um, today. But it's not just baptism that's available to us today. So if you've already been baptized or maybe you're not a believer in, the, in this room and you're just kind of like trying this whole thing out, um, you have the opportunity today to ask and to pray and to plead with God for more of his presence in your life. To ask God to give you the courage to integrate your life. That, that's, it takes courage to do that, right? It's so much easier and cleaner to just have faith relegated to Sunday mornings and at house church on Wednesdays. It, 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 and it's also not as deeply fulfilling. So I wanna invite you today as we're praying, as we're taking communion, as we're worshiping, to just pray to God to help you reintegrate your life, to invite his presence into every part of your life so you can take deeper steps into participation in his activity for redemption. That's, what it's, that's what's available for us today. In just a moment, we're gonna take communion. Um, and this is something we do every week. And uh, the, the way that we do communion here at Ethos, maybe you're not familiar with, with how we uh, participate in communion, but we, we welcome anyone that wants to take communion with us, whether you're part of this church or not. And so we usually exit to the middle of the aisle, we go to the tables and we come back to our seats and we take it at our own pace or with those that we came with and just uh, kind of in a moment of prayer and reflection. So that's how we're gonna do that today. But before we do that, I just wanna invite you to stand. I'm gonna pray for us and invite God into this space as we uh, continue in worship. 
So God, today we, we celebrate and we thank you for all that you've done, uh, both in us individually, in us communally, in this place, uh, but also all of the ways that we will never understand how you have um, just over time made us more like your son, Jesus. We just praise you and thank you for all that you've done, God. But we also realize we're still on this journey and there are still steps to take. So today we humbly ask for more, Jesus. We ask for more Holy Spirit in our lives, in our communities, in our vocations, in our families, in every area of life, we ask for more of you. Would you give us the courage to step into every moment with an awareness of your presence with us? And a, and a courage to participate in what you invite us into. It's what we want uh, for our community in Hillsborough Village here. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.